0: Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves. I am the pastor of women here at Northview Community Church and I'm with Thalia today. Just the two of us. Yes. Hello. <laughs>
1: we took last week off because Crystal was away on holiday. I was in Hawaii on the beach. Yes,
0: on, actually, t- yeah. Tuesday was a nice day. We had one rainy, rainy day on Monday, and then uh, Wednesday we drove around the island because it was kind of cloudy too. But the rest of the day, the rest of the week was great.
1: Wow. So
0: it was nice. My first time in Hawaii. Really? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, never been there before. So
1: now are again. you hooked? Uh,
0: yeah, I think like it's a really nice place. Mm-hmm. What I liked was that it was never, I don't know if it's always like this, but it was really warm, but mm-hmm. not like unbearably hot. Yeah. Like just like 28 degrees. Yeah. And so it didn't feel like you had to like run for shade every yes. five seconds. Yeah. I've only good. been twice. So I uh, like, yeah. I'm
1: so professional. Yeah. At this. Yes.
0: <laughs> but it was nice. I was surprised how 70-ish everything was. Like mm-hmm. I thought it would be newer, all the buildings and stuff, but yeah. the hotels were Well, you were on though. Oahu. Yeah. 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 Honolulu. So, but it was fun. Fun to get away yes in
1: October yes and now I'm back just in time for the MB conference yeah so we took a week off last week we didn't have a podcast because Crystal my buddy wasn't here so you know we had to just kind of take a break that's right you
0: mourn
1: (laughs) mourn (laughs) the loss of me (laughs) that's true actually Crystal's (laughs) not here
0: can't do a podcast no coffee runs oh lots of coffee runs but by myself okay yeah
1: (laughs) not with you we have to have some this week
0: that sounds good we are here um, in the middle of a busy week in mm-hmm. the sense that our church is hosting the MB conference. And so if you would come here and look around there's posters everywhere and tables everywhere and a bunch of 100 people
1: walking around in between breakout yeah. rooms and there will be main over sessions. 400 ministry leaders here tomorrow. Today is just the annual conference, the annual general meeting. Yeah, today's the business day. Mm-hmm. And then tonight the conference starts. Did we say why? It's the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. Yeah. So, hosted by Northview. Yeah.
0: So people from all over
1: Canada. So our staff has been coming down strategically at break time. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> to <laughs> to get today, the there was cinnamon pork sandwiches. And pulled pork at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: great. Yeah. And it's fun. Johnny's leading worship and Jonathan's leading worship mm-hmm. and a couple other people. And then... Yeah, our staff's just involved in lots of different ways with yeah. the tech stuff and the support, and then we're just delegates, so we yeah. get to go around and be part of things.
1: The Mennonite Brethren Conference has a study conference every two years, and so we've been at them in the past in Edmonton and Winnipeg. This yeah. one's here, and it's, on, it's called Equip 2017 on basically prayer and discipleship. Yeah, how do we encourage mm-hmm.
0: that personally um, as leaders in the MB Conference, and how do we build those practices in our churches? Yeah. And if you hear this podcast in time, the sessions on uh, tonight, Wednesday night and Thursday night are open to the public from seven till nine. Free. Free. Yeah. Daryl Johnson, who was at Regent College and now is at um, the Baptist, Cary Baptist Theological Seminary. I think he's going to be speaking and uh, hear great things. So yeah, come on out. It'll be good. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Yeah. They may bar you at the door if you come at other times. (laughs) We'll see. I'm not sure how tight the security is, but (laughs) yeah. Looking forward to it. Yep. So today we thought we'd talk about a topic that's a little bit more sobering, um, just because we've had lots of conversations with people who are hurting deeply for a variety of reasons. And so we want to title this, How to Help Your Friend Who is Hurting Deeply or Someone Who is Hurting Deeply. Uh, what kind of situations do we encounter, Thalia? What kind of things do people come in and talk to you about?
1: Yeah. So we labeled it quite broadly because there are so many different situations where someone we know is hurting deeply. Yeah. So, of course, it can be somebody who's lost someone to death close to them. That is a terrible loss. We have women and husbands and fathers and dads and everybody who their children, their adult children, are not walking with God. Yeah. And they are hurting so deeply because their children aren't following in the faith. Yeah. Or they're not behaving as they would like them to behave. Their kids are caught up in things that are hurting them drugs and alcohol and promiscuous living and all kinds of things or like this. Eating yeah. addictions or mm-hmm. anything that's just harmful. Yeah. Parents are just hurting for their kids of any age, can be from yeah. young to older. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're mm-hmm. an
0: eighty five year old parent, your no. sixty five year old kid might be doing something really hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have people who are struggling with health challenges. Mm-hmm. And so people come to meet with me because their friend or family member is hurting deeply with their own physical pain or mental health pain, emotional pain. There are women who are struggling because they would really like a baby. Yeah. They'd like to have their own biological child. And they're struggling with infertility and crying over that, as of course they would. Yeah. Really deep pain. Yeah. Yeah. We have people who are single, mm-hmm.
0: want to be married. Yeah. They feel that loneliness. Yeah. Yep. And people who are
1: divorced and didn't want to be divorced. Yeah. Or people who are in a marriage that's really tough. Yep. So, yeah, you know, well, financial struggles would be another one. People are really hurting with, you know, loss of a job or their job isn't going well and it's hard to get by month to month with the bills that are mounting up. Yeah.
0: I think it's important. I think we say this over and over again, but maybe we can't ever say it enough that there's no one in this church or in the community that has everything all together. All of us have different levels of stuff that we're carrying. And so as people, we need to be compassionate towards each other and look beyond our own pain to recognize that other people are also experiencing things that are difficult. It's not just us. Often when we're experiencing difficult things, We can think it's only us and everybody else is all great, but we need to remember that, no, there's lots of different things going on. Even
1: if they might not be exactly the same as us, people still have stuff. Because even if today I am not hurting deeply, I have in the past, I probably will another day and for sure going into the future. And that applies to all of us. We will at times hurt deeply because we are part of this world. Yeah it's a sinful world, that yeah. all the consequences of sin
0: are all the bad things, right? We get, until we get to heaven, Yeah, um, if we expect anything different on this earth, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to get mad at God mm-hmm. if, we expect, if we expect earth to be heaven. I know. And that's where we often get caught up.
1: So we thought we would spend a little bit of time talking about you as a friend. Yeah. If you have someone in your life, a friend or a family member who's hurting deeply, what do you do? Yeah. That is the question. People come to meet with me. What do I do? So I'm kind of, hurting so badly for my friend. Yeah. What kind of problems do you see that they come in
0: with when they want to ask you that question?
1: So what happens is we as the friends, we feel so deeply for our hurting friends yeah. that we can get close to burnout. That yeah. We can be crippled by the pain. And we can't think and we can't work and we can't be the mums and the dads and the sisters and brothers and the siblings that we need to be mm-hmm. because we are consumed with our friend or family members pain. Yeah. And we understand that there is absolutely a time for that. But realistically, it's not necessarily our pain that we have to walk through. It is our friend's pain. So It doesn't help us if we are so consumed to the point where we are burnt out and quite crippled. Yeah, we can't be helpful to our
0: friend or to anyone else that's depending upon us if we allow that to happen.
1: And yet we feel a desperate need to do something, right? So people come in and they desperately want to meet with me. My first, next available slot, they'll say, can I talk with you? Can I meet with you? Can I text with you? Like my friend is hurting and I just don't know what to do. I have to do something to ease the pain. Yeah. So and you can you- feel that. And I,
0: and I can I can feel that in their voice. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to wait till next week or no. the week after. Like it has to no, happen. now. Or at least you have to have it on a calendar now, <laughs> even if it's only three days from now, but yeah. at least like get back to me now and tell me when I can come in. Yeah. So, what do you tell them when they come in? How do you How
1: do you start? Yes, what ways can they help their friends? So if we're talking about Christians coming to meet with me because yeah. the Christian friend is hurting for someone in their life, first I'll say, "Let's pray, let's pray for this person." And often the Christian will say, "Well, I have been praying, but it doesn't feel like enough." Hmm. Like it doesn't feel like it's doing enough. It's just sort of praying and it kind of goes into the air and we hope <laughs> that God does something with it, but we don't see evidence. The, the physical pain has not gone away and the person has, does not have a pregnant with a child and they now yeah. have a spouse ready for them. So their prayers go out and they just think it should be solved now. Yeah. And so they think, oh, I don't know if I've done enough because I've prayed, but I don't know. Is that enough? And we know that scripture tells us, you know, Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And my favorite, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. So first, it I settle the person, the Christian person, and say, we need to pray because God is our help. Yeah. God is the one who can work in the situation, or your friend can do some things in the situation, but we can't. Like, I can't go and solve their pain. You can't heal that person. Mm -mm. Yeah. There's a few practical things I can do, which we're going to get into. Yeah. But I can't literally fix the person's life and solve it. No. So I have to bring it before God, who is the only one who can really change the person's life, or the person can do a lot of things as well. Yeah. But I think what you've kind of pointing them back to scripture is that reminder of sometimes our prayers
0: can seem frantic if they're just kind of coming yeah. from within our own head. Yeah. And we don't really have order for them or priority or whatever. And I think if we can have a few scripture passages like Romans 8, which talks about nothing being able to separate us from the love of God or yeah. some of these psalms we can actually meditate on them and pray those things back. And it's a reminder or just a grounding for us yeah. um, that God is here and he is present with us yeah. and that he will work things out as we work through them. Yeah, And uh, helps, yeah, just lift our heads above even our own spinning thoughts
1: as yeah. we pray. Helps to settle us. Yeah. So we had a young couple come in to be prayed for by the elders and they had a lot of painful things going on in their life. And they were at the point where they weren't able to really pray anymore because the the pain and the difficulty and the hardship was too heavy. And so the elder said, you know what? That's our job then. We're going to pray for you and pray with you. We will carry the load in prayer. And the couple just, just relaxed. Yeah. Because we don't even realize that our friends who are hurting so deeply need us to come alongside them and carry the prayer load when they can't think of what to say anymore. Yeah. And we know that in Scripture, in Romans, where the Spirit intercedes for us in groanings that are too deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah.
0: So After praying, one. yeah. yeah. <laughs> After praying, what do
1: you go on to? What, I what do you spend time? Them, that they do. Yeah. Yeah, I spend time listening to them, and when I mean listening, I mean like if a person's coming in for an hour. Uh, For sure, it will be 20 minutes or half an hour of listening to them. What's going on? Tell me what's happening. Okay, I don't understand that. Can you clarify that for me? Help me to understand this piece. Okay. Oh, that sounds really hard. That's really tough. Oh, that's really painful. I'm not giving any advice, no quick solutions, no nothing. I haven't even opened my Bible yet. I am simply listening. You might have
0: been writing on the whiteboard already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I might have been writing on the whiteboard. But I do a lot of listening. And we forget that as friends, that listening takes time. So when you go for coffee or you go to your friend's house to listen to their pain, be prepared to listen and really understand what's going on. And really the only thing should be coming out of your mouth is, oh, that's a heavy load. I'm so sorry. That's really hard. Oh, that sounds really painful. And those kinds of phrases over and over and over and over again, because people have this desire to be heard and understood. It's their deepest desire. And if I do nothing more than that, pray for them and listen to them, I've already accomplished, I would say like 80, 90% of the work. Yeah. Because oftentimes even
0: people will process things as they're saying them and as they're um, verbally admitting them they'll hear yeah. themselves say something they might correct themselves yeah. they might just clarify their thoughts by that
1: process even of having you li- just listen to yeah. what they're saying because mostly like if I think of myself when I have something that's deeply painful and hard sometimes you try to tell it to someone and they might listen to you for a minute or two and then their immediate thing is what crystal Advice? (laughs) Yeah. Have you tried? Have you talked to? Did you go here? Did you make an appointment there? And they immediately want to lift your pain by giving you something tangible to do.
0: Or else they want to say, well, I just know just how you're feeling. And then they go off into their own story about their grandma's
1: story or their
0: aunt's story about the same
1: kind of thing. But like when you think about it, when we have a difficulty, like I'm smart. I actually know what I need to do. And I've probably tried all those things already. What I really want is someone to listen to me eye-to-eye, face-to-face contact, where they're not distracted by kids running around and other people listening in, not distracted by the TV on, just somebody who's sitting with you and listening to the pain that you're going through. That is an incredible gift that we need to give to others. Yeah.
0: So as you do that with the friend who comes to you, you're kind of modeling what they should do as they go back to their friend and and engage with them in their pain and their suffering.
1: And I think I've said this story on the podcast before, but I used to drive my kids home from school when they were in middle school, high school and couldn't drive themselves. And so it's a 15 minute drive home. So for the first 10 minutes, I would just say, hi, good to see you. And then they would talk, yeah. and they would just process all their stuff. This group, this teacher, this essay, this exam's coming up. Oh, and then going on and on and on. I would just, mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah, that's a lot. Mm, that's hard. Those kinds of words over and over again. At about the ten-minute mark, they go, okay, well, I'm gonna email the teacher. Gotta get a group together. <laughs> gotta study <laughs> for this. They figured it out themselves. Yeah, and I will have done my work. Now that's in a fifteen-minute drive home. I think I, our kids knew that. But I am not giving them the quick advice and the solutions. I'm simply listening and they know that I'm there. It's a really big gift that you can give. And it will often take, the deeper the pain, the more you have to listen. So if it's a big marriage challenge, if it's an adult child who's walked away from the faith and is involved in all kinds of difficult things, you're going to have to sit with that mom or with that spouse a much longer time than 10 minutes. So be prepared. If you're really going to listen, you really have to listen and so give can time. You,
0: can you kind of do a timeout and do a part two?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's re- actually that? very good. Yes. I think
0: sometimes you can get like, this is just too much for yeah. this time. Why don't we talk about what we can talk about right now? And then maybe get together another time to talk about something else.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's helpful to set that up in advance. Yeah. So if you know you're going to go visit with a friend and you know you need to listen, you can say to them, you know what? I have an hour. Yeah. I would love to listen to you. I know an hour is not going to be enough. So why don't we get together in a few days and we'll do part two. Yeah. Or I have to leave in half an hour, but I'm going to listen to you and then we'll do part two. And then don't be afraid to say, okay, let's press pause for a minute. Let's go get some water. Let's go to the bathroom and whatever and come back because people can't listen well if they're hungry or tired <laughs> or they My go bathroom to the washroom really <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like you got to make sure it's at a good time of day when there aren't that many distractions and when you've been fed and watered and it's not first thing in the morning and late at night. Yeah, like isn't, Listening doesn't help well at midnight. So you might want to say you know what this is a really important discussion this, you are very important to me and this is a really big issue let's get together 2 days from now after dinner let's go for a walk but it's now getting close to midnight and this is we're gonna, it's not going to be a productive listening time yeah it also
0: is difficult. Uh, we've had situations where people have phoned us when they are, are obviously under the influence of alcohol. Oh, or something. <laughs> yeah, that one is And help. that, they also just say, like, you know what, can we set a time to talk about this tomorrow mm-hmm. or another day? Because often people will, when they're inebriated or yeah. something, they'll phone us because that's when they're feeling the pain. Yes. But that's not necessarily a productive conversation to have at that moment.
1: No. Same with if you have kids or teenagers, when do they bring up the most difficult things? Right when you're tucking them in. Yeah. So whatever time that is, even for a teenager at 10 o'clock, that's when they're going to start tears and snot as what has difficult has happened. So I would encourage you not to get pulled into that if at all possible, but to say you matter to me. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. And let's talk about it tomorrow after dinner. And sometimes by the time you get to tomorrow after dinner, they've already figured out a solution and 90% of the difficulty has gone away. Yeah. If it hasn't, you have a better time to work through it than, you know, at 10 o'clock at night when nothing is really yeah, computing. Everybody's
0: tired and yeah. nothing's going well.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. So in terms of the not quick advice, no tips, I think as Christians, we need to think no Christian cliches either. Yeah. Like I think so often we're quick to say, oh, it's all in God's hands or... It's going to work out things. for the better. Yeah.
1: And that's. You're just young, you'll have kids one day. You're young, you'll find a spouse one day. Well, we don't actually know that. There's no, no guarantee. No. So don't give guarantees of something you can't guarantee. No.
0: Just listen. Like just you said.
1: Listen. Yeah. Yeah. And also be careful what happens in a relationship tangle. So you think of so a think adult, parent yeah. and a teenager, or you think of a uh, spouse, husband and wife. You think of a business difficulty one person will come and tell you their side of the story. And if they're your friend, you immediately feel outraged for them and you feel angry on their behalf and you wanna take their side and you wanna slam the other people that they're talking about. But that might not be the full picture. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his case first seems right until (laughs) the other comes and examines him. And we've learned this in the care department that Mm -hmm. when one spouse comes and tells their story, It may not be the whole picture. The other person has a side. It won't be. No. But we don't know what happens behind closed doors. So we have to be very careful not to jump on the bandwagon. And we could be wrong. We could be causing worse problems. Like, for example, if a teenager comes to your house and unloads about their parents and how awful and how this and how that. Be very careful that you don't jump on the teenager's bandwagon. Because those parents have been raising that teenager for many years. They love that child. They've been doing things in the best interest of that child. It's not for us to go back to their home and say, you've done it wrong and you don't know this and why didn't you do it? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. We can't step in where we have not walked. So what would you encourage in that situation? I would say, listen to that child. Listen to that teenager. If you are the youth leader, if you are the friend, listen to them and say, that's so very hard. That's so painful. I'm so sorry. Yep, that's difficult. I would go, go back and talk with your parents. Your parents love you. What can you negotiate with them? What can you talk about with yeah. them? They want to hear your side of the story reasonably rationally, not like yelling and freaking out. They want to hear that. If you can't resolve it, find someone who can sit with you. Can a grandparent be in that? Can a can a care pastor be in that? Like what can you do to get a third person maybe yeah. in the situation? But the third person needs to be willing to hear all
0: sides. Yeah. And you have to be willing, bringing that third person in to know that he may correct, he or she may correct you too, right? Yeah. Like it might be, you might need your own blinders taken off a little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're the kid. Yeah. And I wouldn't jump
1: to that immediately. Often, you know, a teenager and their parents, they can work things out. They just, first, they need to be listened to. Because like you said, when people have a chance to vent out their side, they go, oh. I guess my mom did it for these reasons and this is why. And my friends aren't allowed to do that either. And so, okay. And they can come to a little bit more of a rational spot when they've been allowed to talk it through. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So really be careful about stepping in and making those quick sort of pronouncements of who's right and who's wrong and what should be done. Because we really don't know if we haven't walked behind those closed doors for years and years and years. Yeah.
0: So if somebody gets to the point where they're done venting and then they say, so what would you advise? How do you respond then? Yeah. If they start asking you for advice.
1: Yeah. One thing to say that's helpful is what are your friend who's hurting deeply? What is that friend able to do for themselves and what do they need help with? So that friend who's hurting deeply, they still have a smart brain. They are still able to pick up the phone and make an appointment with the doctor or to go to the lawyer or go talk to the teacher or whatever the situation requires. They are still able to do a lot for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they actually are, I don't like the word empowered, but they are kind of empowered by that. They have a smart brain. They are able to use it. And it's good for them to be able to do what they can do.
0: Yeah, because they feel good about being part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: because it's their life and they need to figure out which direction to go and when and how. Yeah, And it might take them a little bit of time. They might not go at the pace that we would go and maybe not as fast, but it's their life. And so they need to figure out what do they want to do. And then the pieces where they say, well, I really can't do this part. I need some help. Great. Yeah. So who do you want to involve then? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean me. It doesn't necessarily mean another friend or family member. Maybe there's something... Of somebody else that needs to help. Yeah. So we think of, for example, at Northview, unfortunately, we do a lot of funerals. You know, there's, there's a lot of spouses that lose a loved one, right? And so, but that spouse who's grieving can still do a lot of good things for their own family because they're smart and they know what needs to be done. Yeah. And then other people can walk alongside practically and help with meals or driving or yard work or whatever needs to be done. But you don't want to rescue the person because it is their life and they know what needs to be done and when and how.
0: Yeah. And there is a therapy, like thinking of even when we went through the grief of losing our our baby, there's a therapy in still having to go about regular life. You know, like there's something like, okay, I still have to get up in the morning. I have to get my kids dressed. I have to go do these things. And it just forces you out of your self-pity zone because you have to keep doing things. And so there's a value to also having things in your life that you still need to do, yeah. even we if you're in the midst of pain.
1: You're right. And we don't want to enable someone to just be lazy and have a reason to stay in bed and put the covers over. Because unfortunately, we still actually have to get up, get dressed, put one foot in front of the other and do the hard tasks of life. Yeah, Like painful things are a part of life. Yeah, And that's hard to say that, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So what kind of boundaries do we need to set if we find ourselves getting sucked into our friends Situations. what would be, when would be appropriate time to set boundaries and what would those look like?
1: Yeah. So if you're married, I would encourage you to talk to your spouse, but yeah. how much time can you give and when can you go over and there and how much money can you spend on helping your friend? Yeah. If you are a single person, you have to look at your budget. Like if you're talking about money, also looking at your time because you have a job, you, or you might have other obligations. You have a job or a family or kids. You have to think about what are your priorities and those still need to be accomplished. And then with extra time, you can go and help your friend. And this is a great time to rally a team. Yeah. I think that's, yeah,
0: yeah. that's a brilliant way to do it, right? Yeah, Say, I'll do this on Monday. You do this on Wednesday. Yeah. So-and-so will do this on Friday. And then, you know, kind of within the group of five or six of you that you're kind of
1: touching base with that person, couple times a week, and, but mm-hmm. it's not just you. So what happens at Northview is that there's a person hurting deeply, and their friend will contact the care department, great place to contact, and they'll say, my friend needs groceries and rent paid, and they need yard work done, and they need childcare, and they have all these needs, and they're really in trouble. And I'm like, great, I hear you. This is really awful. This is really hard. <laughs> Go and talk to your friends and family, your community group, and see what you can do first. Because for the person hurting to get help from people who know them is the first, best way. Totally.
0: Yeah. Because those are the people that are going to walk through life with
1: them. And those are the people who take ownership and say, yeah, it's my neighbor. It's my coworker. It's my friend. So yeah, I'll give a grocery card or I'll make a meal or I'll do some driving. But the church should be sort of the last point because they don't know technically sort of the whole church or the care department. So we'll step in if needed. We'll supply some grocery cards or one month of rent or some things like that. But we want the The Hurting Persons, Friends, Family Members, Coworkers, Community Group to be the first line of support. Which is why we'd love everyone to be in a community group at Northview. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever form that takes. Some kind of Bible study group, community group. mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Bible study Community group, a sermon based group, whatever. Yeah. In your homes.
1: Yeah. Because people assume that Northview being a big church would have all kinds of groups of volunteers. That we should have a meal group and we should have a hospitality group and we should have suites all around <laughs> the the town so that we can just put people in who need a place to stay. We don't actually have those. We depend on people to do for their friends and family members. That's the first line of well, yeah, response. And it's not-
0: like, as a church, that's what we should be doing. It shouldn't yes. be
1: the church in terms of
0: the building supplying all these things no. for people. Like, as a church, we're supposed to be reaching out and loving one another. Right. That's our witness. That's right. Um, to the watching world. And so, if we're not doing that ourselves, then it, it's not a, we're not fulfilling what Jesus has asked us to do. Yeah. So, expectations for the person that's hurting. You said that sometimes we have the wrong expectations or we can be kind of hurt by the, the yeah. person who's hurting doesn't respond the way we think we, they should. And it kind of hurts us or confuses us.
1: So yeah. what do you experience there? So what we see is when someone is hurting very deeply, of course, they are not their normal. Yeah. So they can be really distant or really clingy. They can be cold. They can seem more self-focused or really busy. They may have less money to spend, or actually they may be spending like crazy sort of to cover (laughs) a little bit of the hurt. They may not be interested in doing some of the things they did in the past. They may not have the same amount of time and energy for you as their friend. And so we as the friend think, "But I am your friend." I'm and doing now all I'm these all hurt for you. Yeah. yeah. And now I get offended because you're not responding the way I think you should be responding. Yeah. So I would say, as the friend who's the helper, please have a lot of grace and be really charitable towards your friend who's hurting. They are not in the same space they were. Yeah. They may never be in the exact same space, because this hurt and pain may change them. Yeah. And they may not be the friend that they were in the past. So, for example, when marriages go through a really tough time, some marriages separate for a bit, and then they're able to reconcile, which is awesome. But when they reconcile, sometimes they decide they need a fresh start. So they may go to a new church, a new community group. They may have new friends. They move to another area of town. And then the friends from the past are really hurt and offended and upset, and it causes all kinds of difficulty. Instead of saying, you know what, they've come back together, they needed a bit of space, and they're having a fresh start, I get that. Okay, it really hurts. Maybe I need to find some new friends. But there, often there's this sort of no hurt and no offense, and we're angry towards the person who was hurting deeply. Yeah.
0: And sometimes there's a bit of a... Um we kind of like to hear their pain and like to hear what they're going through because yeah. it kind of gives us that, I don't know, juicy gossip yeah. kind of feeling. And so if somebody just chooses to not want to talk about something for a while, we kind of get a little bit offended too, or we yeah. want, we get disappointed because we kind of wanted them to drag us into or kind of tell us the latest update on it. And they're just like, you know what? I just don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. So we can and have And then we'll accuse them of being people. distant and, yeah, you know, why don't you want to get together? Yeah. yeah,
1: So I would yeah. encourage things like this. So if you go regularly camping with a family and all of a sudden they've gone through a whole bunch of difficult things, you can say to them, you know, we would love to have you go camping with us again this year like we have in the past, but I know you've been going through some difficult things. So if you can't this year or it doesn't work, no problem, maybe another year. Like really grace-based. Yeah, give them lots of outs,
0: but also still put the the palm branch
1: out there or whatever, yeah.
0: olive branch, I guess yeah. is I meant to say, saying that I still care about you and I love you and you're more than welcome, but we're not going to put any kind of constraints on you.
1: Yeah. I would say try not to put very much pressure on the people who are hurting so deeply. They are not thinking the most clearly. They can't get together for walks and coffees and playdates with your kids the same way they did before because they've got other things on the go. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, it's the same for me in my situation. Uh, I'm at the stage where a lot of my friends are caring for their elderly parents. And so they don't have the time to get together with me as they did before. They need to go and take parents to appointments and go to Vancouver and visit them and all kinds of stuff. And so I need to allow that. Yeah. And maybe one day they'll have more time for me again, or I might be in that, <laughs> that kind of situation. spot again. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it kind of goes like that. So
0: you've given lots of advice for the friend who's coming alongside a hurting friend. What are you, if somebody who's
1: listening to this podcast who is hurting... What kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah. So if you come and meet with me, we would draw on the whiteboard a circle. And if you picture in your mind a circle, and inside the circle, I would put muck. So currently, let's say for the person who's hurting deeply, you'd say, you are going through muck. You put that in the center. Then you would divide the circle into four quarters. For me, I always do top left is physical because God has given you a body. And the top right, I put mind and emotions. God's given you a mind and emotions bottom left, I would put social, because God's created you to be in community, and the bottom right, I would put spiritual, because we're thinking of holistic care all mm-hmm. the way around the circle, that when you're hurting deeply, we have to think of ourselves as whole people. So when people come to me, and they say, I'm really hurting deeply, I say, so if I come to you and say, you just need to pray more, is that correct? And they'll say, well, no, it's more than that. Right. Prayer is good. It's important. But it's not the only solution. Okay, well, what if I said to you, Crystal, you only need to sleep better. Hmm. Well, sleep is good, and it does help with our muck. We know that if we sleep better, the day seems better. But it's not the only solution. So in physical, when you think of the top left corner, you think, well, you need to consider how are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you taking medications? And if you are, you should take them how the doctor has ordered you to take them. And if it's not going well, go back to the doctor physio, chiropractor, anything like that that helps your body will help you to handle the difficult things in your life better. Yeah. So we know that if somebody is sleeping well and eating good food at decent times of the day you'll do better. But if you're eating crap food It's just going to make everything worse. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not exercising, you just can't think as well. So take care of your body. That's my first priority. Because if you're not taking care of your body, then anything spiritual is gobbledygook. You can read the Bible like a thousand times over. It doesn't make any sense because you're not sleeping and eating. And you don't have any. Yeah. There's no, (laughs) there's nothing firing in your brain because there's no food that it's feeding (laughs) on. That's right. Anybody who works shifts understands that. Anybody who has been studying for midterms all night understands that. Or a parent of a new baby. If you can't sleep and eat properly, you cannot think. Yeah. So that's first one. So people will say to me, oh, I didn't realize self-care was so important. Yes, really, really important. The next one I go to is the bottom left, social, because God's created us to be in a community. So I ask people, okay, you're going through this terrible time. Who's supporting you? Mm-hmm. Do you have family? Do you have friends? What's your marriage like? Are you in some kind of small group, whether that's a hobby group or a Christian group? Do you have people that are encouraging you, laughing with you, praying with you, taking you to movies? Like what? Because we know that when people are in deep muck, what they tend to do is step away. Yeah, isolate. Yeah. And that makes it worse. Yeah. So even though you're going through a really terrible time, you actually have to intentionally make time, whether that's once a week, twice a week, seven times a week, to be with somebody who's supportive. Yeah. That's different for all of us because some of us are a little bit more introvert, some are a little more extrovert. That's fine. But think about that. Then I go to spiritual, which is bottom for me, bottom right. Spiritual, even though we're in the worst possible muck, we still need to grow spiritually. Because we're Christians. And so what does that look like? So I'll encourage people, come to church. Even if you come late, leave early, even if you cry through the whole service, come to church. You can worship with everyone else. You can sing, read scripture, hear God's word taught. Really important. You can pray. Most people are praying like crazy when they're in deep muck. It's great. Read your Bible. Devotions are good. That's like dessert. But read your Bible. It's really important. There's Bible apps. There's audio Bible. I mean, there's just so many Bible reading plans. I mean, read your Bible. Get in a Bible study group or be at a conference a retreat, a seminar, worship music. So many people describe worship music keeps them afloat. Totally. Lifts their eyes above their situation. Yeah. That's how it is for me. Yeah. Serving. Some people serve even in the worst muck because they know that they can give to others and not be the one who's only receiving care, but they're giving care. And that for some people is really important. So think of those kinds of things and you can add to it. The last one that's hard for people is the mind and emotions. Top right hand side for me. I don't mean crosswords in Sudoku, although that's okay. Like it's okay to do those things. yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about the things that when your mind is really, really hurting and it's in the sludge. Where, what do you do to bring your mind out of the sludge one level, two levels? So for me, I love to read. I always have a fiction book ready. I can read a few minutes of that and I, whew, some people like to run. I know you like to run. Yeah. Or you might garden or bake or work on your car or you might or have another hobby, hobby. hobby mm-hmm. side. Yeah. yeah. You might go to counseling. You might yeah. visit with a pastor. You might, um, there's all kinds of things that help your mind to a little bit rise out of the sludge doesn't have to be Christian activities. These can be just activities that give you a bit of a mental break. Yeah. Like TV and Netflix is not wrong. Nope. Just maybe not hours and hours and hours and hours on end. But an hour or two, if as long as it's decent quality, yeah. that might help your mind. So that's what I mean about holistic. And I encourage the people to go through that. Even if somebody who's struggling with addiction, somebody who is grieving deeply, somebody who is dealing with significant health challenges, all of them, call them to holistic care like that. And then of course, come pray with the care pastors. Come meet with the elders for prayer. There's prayer after the services, there's prayer in the prayer room, online prayer. I mean, there's all different kinds of resources and support for somebody who's going through tough things.
0: Yeah, and there's divorce care, those Absolutely. kind of courses here, mm-hmm. and then just a regular Bible study courses which mm-hmm. like I said just allows you to remember again that there's other people in the world that are going through stuff and you can walk through scripture together and it will have answers and encouragement for you.
1: Well, one so. person wanted to come to women's Bible study and sit with her friend who was hurting so deeply at their own table. And we said, no, come join oh, yes, group. To be just group. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the friend whose friend was hurting so deeply thought, well, I can't put her in a big table because she's hurting so deeply. It's going to be overwhelming. But actually, that's the best place because she would meet other people who've gone through it in the past who are still going through it now. Yep. And it would be great for her to realize, "We're yes, welcome here. You have tough stuff. We do too. We have had. We will have. Yeah. Welcome here.
0: Let's just go through it together. Yeah. Yeah. And pray for it. And that's my favorite thing at Women's Bible Study is um, just seeing the women praying for each other around the tables and just lifting these things up to God and and encouraging each other through the week. It's just a beautiful way of seeing the body in action.
1: And you and I have the privilege of knowing the stories that are represented Mm -hmm. in the room. Mm -hmm. And so I know people have to trust us a lot when we say there is big muck here.
0: Yeah, because everybody yeah.
1: looks good on the surface. They look like they have it together. Yeah. But there really is pain. And so I would encourage you to lift your head up. And once you get to know a few stories, you go, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who's suffering or have suffered. There are people here in pain and I can lift them up in prayer and I can study the Bible together with them and I can be at church. Yep. Yeah.
0: And like we've said before, and we t- we're talking to someone at lunch today who is surprised at how quickly people ditch out of relationships or yeah. situations. After one day, they'll be ready to call something quits. Yeah. And that's not the way you're going to ever build that relationship at church. You got to no. dig in for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And slowly you'll be able to see things that other other people are going through and what they're experiencing and they'll be able to open up to you. And Yeah. And vice versa.
1: Yeah. So why don't you pray to that end, Thalia? Yes, thank you for letting me go on and on. That's good. (laughs) Thank you that I could address this topic. (laughs) Okay. Lord, you know our listeners. You know each one of them. You created them in your image, fearfully and wonderfully made. You know if right now is a peaceful time or right now is a very stressful time with a lot of muck. You know our friends and our family members and you know how we ache for those who are hurting so deeply. And so, Lord, would you help us to lift them to you in prayer? Would you help us to listen to them with new ears, taking a lot of time for the friends, trying to understand their perspective. Lord, we can't do this on our own strength, on our own. We just want to jump in and solve it all. But Lord, would you help us to walk with people patiently and gently? Um, Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you help us with that. And Lord, we ask for our friends that are hurting deeply, if you would heal them, if you'd heal them physically, emotionally, if you'd heal them spiritually, if you'd bring them back to you, Lord, that's what we desire most of all. And so we ask so many more. We could pray for hours on these things, but we ask, Lord, that you would help us and you would help our friends that are hurting deeply. And all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.